Hello, and welcome to episode 51 of The Podding Shed, the podcast of the ChelseaFCblog.com. And so, after 13 years, 648 appearances, 211 goals, three Premier League titles, four FA Cups, two League Cups, one Champions League and one Europa League, Super Frankie Lampard has left the building. It was a day we all knew was coming, but having read the numerous articles and tributes in recent days, it really becomes clear what a mark he has left on our football club. Joining me, Dec Kaiser or Johnny, as I'm otherwise known, to take a look back at Frank's extraordinary career at Chelsea and the other goings-on down in SW6 over the last few weeks. A Dr Blue Bayou, who is Donal. Good evening. Grocer Jack, who is Tony. Good evening. Mark is currently in Belgium on a fact-finding mission to see what makes Belgian footballers so incredibly talkative and will return for our next instalment. We're also delighted to be joined by not one but two special guests. Make your return to the podding shed after his highly successful debut last season. Well, he left with his reputation mostly intact, <laughs> as much as anyone could hope for. Is the mighty Dan Levine, who many thousands of you know as Blues Chronicle, the most reliable, independent source of Chelsea news and views on Twitter and the web. Dan, welcome back. Good evening. And there would now be a roll of drums if we had a more extensive sound effects budget. Coming off the bench to make his Podding Shed debut is a man who has been a Chelsea fan for more years than he probably cares to remember and has recently pitched into the world of blogging on our fine football club. We are delighted to welcome Mr Clayton Beerman, who many of you will know as Goalie59 from Twitter. Clayton, welcome and thanks for joining us. Good evening and thanks for inviting me. Excellent. Right. We have much to get on with. Um, and so, Frankie Lampard, um, not unkind to suggest that eyebrows were raised upon his arrival from West Ham for 11 million quid or whatever it was back in the summer of 2001. Um, but as signings go, there can't be many in the um, history of the football that have been so pivotal, pivotal to a club success, not to mention such incredible value for money. Um, I've been pondering this over recent days and, and just how you actually sum up his contribution. Obviously, on the pitch is is quantifiable through stats and all the rest of it. But, Dan, I'm going to throw this open to you because, obviously, you've been fortunate enough to, to chat to the man on many, many occasions. Um, it, it's, it's more than a player, isn't it, really? There's, there's just such a huge presence that's disappeared from the football club. Completely, yeah. Uh, the, you know, there's a lot of talk about John Terry being Mr Chelsea and how you know, his, his personality just moves throughout the club. But I think Frank gets the sort of the bum end of the deal on that, really, because... So much of Chelsea's pers- pers- personality and persona as a club is Frank Lampard. You know, he's, not only is he a thoroughly nice guy, he's also obviously very intelligent. He's got this sort of quiet, considered leadership that sort of passes on experience. And I think one of the best things someone said about him many, many years ago, probably a, a decade ago, was that he has this uncanny knack of making all of the players around him look better. And, you know, it's not just because of what he does on the pitch, but it's also that influence he's got outside of it. So, yeah, a massive, massive loss, of course. Mm. Um, Clayton, we'll, we'll, we'll throw over to you. I mean, you, you've been watching Chelsea for a, for a fair amount of time, um, and you, you've seen greats come and go. Um, but where, where does he rank for you amongst, um, amongst our all-time greats? Um, he's obviously up there. Um, I think the thing is that... It's very difficult because he's never done a Zola-like flick from a corner. He's never sort of sort of done a Charlie Cook dribble and this, that and the other. But I was preparing for the pod and gave me an excuse to look at some of his goals on YouTube. And you look at them and it's an amazing amount of fantastic goals he's scored. Yes, he's been Johnny on the spot. Excuse the pun. Um, but yeah, no, he, he is one of the greats and, and I, I feel truly honoured to have seen his first game and his last game and, and have seen a few of them in between. 
to to actually have experienced him, um, so to speak, you know, it, it's just it, it's a real honour. The guy the guy's been brilliant. Yeah, I think I think this is the thing that that, that stands out. Just just having talked to Chelsea fans over recent days and just read reams and reams of coverage and, and blogs and and all sorts is is that the the overriding emotion obviously sorry he's gone but the overriding emotion is, is that we're, we're all very very lucky to have actually been there and watched him throughout the, the course of his career and and the thing that that sort of that makes me think is is actually what what we'll do is, is when we're all walking to the ground next season, God willing, we're all we're all there and fit and present and correct. Is that you'll see, you'll see a kid, you know, X number of years younger with a Frank Lampard shirt on, and, and possibly you know one of the reasons they started supporting Chelsea, and you know they picked a hero and they picked Frank, and the number of them that would have done that over the last decade and a bit is, is immeasurable, and not just in terms of in the way that the club has grown and developed, not just here, but in various far-flung corners of the world. Um, Tone, you, you've seen a Chelsea hero or two in your time. Give, give us your thoughts on Frank. Um, I, I think it's a good time for him to bow out. I think it's because it, he's, he's doing it while he's still at his peak and we're not going to be watching somebody go into you know some sort of decline and, and um, watch, him, you know, watch him, maybe the game getting past him a little bit, you know, it, whatever fitness levels you've got when you're 36 you're not going to be quite as quick as you were when you're 26 or some of the 26 year older around but um you you can't you know I was one of those that never thought he would break that record and um you know to see him break that goal scoring record is I mean he's going to hold that forever isn't he let's be fair there isn't going to be anybody else who beats that it's um, going to take something fairly special, isn't it? It, it is, and, and you just can't see it. You just can't see any striker coming in and staying with us. That you know, it's, it's a far more uh, ephemeral um, business these days in terms of loyalty to one club, isn't it? You know, we all know that. Um, but yeah, you know, you just think of the games that he's come on and saved, and uh, you know, I mean, out of all the goals that he scored, uh, you know, the two that we, you know, when we beat Bolton to win the um, the, the Premiership for the first time in fifty years, um, there's always one I think which was at the end of a, I think it was a game against Stoke. It was um, Phil Scolari was the, the manager, I think. Um, really, we weren't having a great season. There was a lot of things going on. And I think, you know, Frank scored a last minute winner. And, and it was just, he ran, he ran straight over to Scolari. And, uh, and it said it all to me about the man. He, he, he seemed, even if he was ambivalent to the particular coaches that he, he, he worked with during that time, you never saw that. It was mm. just total professional. And, and, you know, you sort of said what Clayton said. I, I, I refer, and I will try and find it again, but Talksport, um, put out a, a fantastic, uh, tweet today, and I'm not really a big fan of that particular station, but it's a clip of Harry Redknapp in a West Ham conference, fans conference, you know, like, you know, with mm. the fans, a Q&A with, with, with whatever. There's a Frank Lampard, yeah, 18, 17, 18 years old, right, not even shaved, you know, you, you, he hadn't even started to shave by the looks of it, and this West Ham fan says, you know, why have you got rid of um, Scott, Scott, Scott somebody or other and, and Matt Scott, Holland? Scott Cannon. Yeah. Scott Cannon and, 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 and Matty Holland, you know, when, and to all due respect, Frank isn't going to be good enough. And Harry Redknapp absolutely put this bloke right back in his box. And he sits there and says, this boy is going to go right to the very top. You Believe you me, he's going to go right to the top. And, and you know, you say what you like about Harry Redknapp, but he got that absolutely nailed on, didn't he? 
Fantastic player. I, I actually said... No, absolutely. I mean, Scott, know, Scott Cannon, to be fair, to be fair, Scott Cannon has, has played for Brentford, Orient, Chesham, Farnborough, <laughs> like, yeah. Grays, Thurrock. I mean, you know, he's the last done right for himself. Yeah, he's done he? okay for himself, yeah. I, I just think that, um, you know, if, if, if there's any outstanding candidate to put next to Peter Osgood outside Stamford Bridge, it's Frank Lampard. I really oh, do. Okay. Yeah. Well, which, of course, is what the manager said as well. It's what Mourinho said the other week. Is it? Yeah, yeah. In that case, yeah, okay. then, I'd like to say great minds think alike, but I'm really not that arrogant <laughs> as to say something like that. <laughs> I think um, if they talk to Fulham, there's they could melt down the old <laughs> mind. <laughs> it's going spare though, isn't it? They've had their own separate meltdown though, haven't they? <laughs> yes, I was going to say it's. Um, we, we, we must have we must have mocked me afflicted, yeah, um, Donald. We, I, I'm sorry, I, I completely missed Mr. Q there, and um, we've we've blown the musical intro. But we'll we'll come back to it. But we can come back. We can do a little musical montage. But, we, um, we can indeed. But yeah, your, your thoughts on Frank? Right. I mean, uh, there's been enough effusiveness, and and I think we're all singing from the same hymn sheet. There, there's a couple of interesting things I think about Lampard, and and both um, uh, Clayton and Tony have sort of put a finger on it, and. It's this business of he's not he's not perceived. I think even amongst most Chelsea fans, as as this sort of as a football wizard, if you like, mm. we, you know. I, and this is I, nothing I'm going to say now is meant to denigrate him as a player. He is not seen, I think, as a football wizard. So, uh, Clayton said, you know, he's never done the back flick like Zola. And yet then when you look, you see all these superb goals, superb range of passing, how he's been sort of the player that's, you know, he's played alongside Ballack, he's played all, with all these great players and he never looks out of place. But it's almost like he is that enabler and a finisher, you know, from midfield par excellence. But there's something about Frank Lampard and it's it perhaps... Speaking as someone who's not fully English myself, looking in on the English, it's it, almost quintessentially English that they can't quite put him up there with all these great world-class players. I was just watching that nonsense going on, you know, the, the soccer aid thing. You've got Edgar Davids, you've got Clarence Sadov. We st- in some ways, I think we still don't see him as being quite... Uh, as up there as some of these players of you know the Pirlo's and so on of this mm. world. I don't know why. I think some of it comes out of this. He started at West Ham. His father was there. His uncle was there, and there was this idea that somehow he he got into the West Ham team because of his yeah relationship. You know, we've seen it with Steve Bruce and, and Ferguson and various people, and their sons have got into clubs and not really gone anywhere. And the same idea was there about Lampard. I think. And so when we bought him for 11 million quid, people wondered, you know, because at the same time we were getting Petit in and we were buying, you know, we had Desai, we had, we'd seen Hullet, you know, and then suddenly we were paying 11 million pounds for Lampard. Why is that? And over the years we've seen what he's worth, but there's still that thing with the, the England setup. He's never been seen as absolutely, inimic- you know, totally necessary for England. There's always been this, you know, you can't play with Steven Gerrard or we should be using this player or that player. Mm. And and it's a really strange, you know, considering just how fantastic professional and 
he's always talked about how hard he's worked, and it's almost this this modern idea of that about we don't we don't want natural talent, we want hard work, and to some extent, people think that Frank Lampard has done it all by kicking a ball against the wall more hours than the next guy, whereas we all know that Zola. Uh, Ronaldo, everyone else does exactly the same thing. They all stayed behind after training. Mm. But I think this idea exists around that Lampard is somehow a manufactured footballer. You know, it's what you do if if you can. And and it's patently not because he's got talents that he sees the game, he reads the game, he he plays the game. Some of that, you've either got it or you haven't, you know. And I think... uh, and that's one of the strange things I think about Frank Lampard is, is he's never quite got what he, you know, 164 games or something he played without, without injury. Yeah. You know, fantastic physical specimen. And, you know, that, that's, you know, that's, yeah, there's some luck in there, but there's an awful lot of that is to do with your body, your conditioning, and also just a natural, must be a natural muscular skeleton, mm. skeletal, you know, I mean, compactness. I think, um, I think that's a good point, it's, and it's what I tried to... I, the bit I wrote for the blog earlier in the week... Which was very, very good. Thank you. I, no, I, it's what I was trying to get to, and I don't think I, have, I actually really got to the, the point, where, was that... Well, my over my overarching point in the article was he seems to have spent an awful lot of his, or most of his career, just quietly going about the business of proving people wrong. Yes. And, and it's not... He, he, I don't think he was ever, and I can't remember enough about his early career but i certainly don't think he was ever anointed as as the, you know a savior of english football in the way that gerard was or the, or the way that possibly barkley is now he was always just there and just quietly kept plugging away and plugging away and plugging away and he got his move to chelsea and you know i think we're all pretty probably in agreement that his first season at chelsea he really didn't set the world alight he wasn't quite there he was played out of position it didn't quite click for him but gradually as time went on and over the next year or two he just set about his business which was winning football matches and scoring goals and it was Mourinho's arrival that really kind of lit the fire under him um Dan I mean you you've obviously you speak to many many other folks in your profession what's the it seems to me that the journalistic community has sort of now looked at him and said you know you don't you almost you don't know what, what you've got till it's gone in that he, he's been very very special and he's been an excellent and an, an ambassador for english football and really quite an extraordinary example and now he's not there you can't really see where that next one is coming from yeah, I think that's a very good point there. Um, I think when, when Donald was talking about, um, the, uh, sort of, uh, the hardworking player that you, you, um, maybe take for granted a bit, he, he could have been speaking quite a lot there about Brian Robson. And, and mm. it's completely, the, the perception, if you look at the way Brian Robson was perceived by England fans, the way Lampard was perceived by England fans, is, is, is remarkable really, because, because, Bro- Robson obviously was Captain Marvel. Yeah, he, he was one of the greats, although he was basically a guy who just worked his backside off to be great. Mm. Lampard, exactly the same sort of position, exactly the same sort of character and player, you know, and, and, and seems to have got so much stick for it. And I think there's been a little bit of that with um, some of the press pack as well. People have maybe not quite valued him. At the same time, though, he's always been a credit to the game. 
such mm. a, a decent sort of guy. Um, no real side to him, as far as I can tell. And and and, and the anecdotes about how hardworking uh, a legion, uh, you know, the, 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 the farce of of big fat big fat Frank that, <laughs> that, that, uh, that people call him. You know, uh, this this is still one of the hardest training guys in the Chelsea team. Um, he's the first in training. He's the last out of training. I can tell anecdotes of. Being at Stamford Bridge when there's not even a game on, and suddenly he'll walk into the Chelsea club where the gym is, and you know, six o'clock in the evening he'll go for a session. Um, mm. Just you know, it, it, it's, it's. I suppose without the space that we, we will get over the next few years between here and Frank Lampard, it's difficult to know where he'll, he'll be judged. But I, I'm fairly certain he's going to be up there with the very, very best of his generation, and 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 if not that. Um, than, than, than beyond that, so the, the last few generations are a truly remarkable player. Mm. You just think if he if he'd been playing, say if he was a, a German player and he you know be playing for the German national side and big clubs you know like Milan and people around Europe during this period, I just think that the the, the sort of the English you know not just the press though, it's, it's not a dig at the press it, you know just the English sort of football world in general would have been in awe of him. You know that sort of scoring yeah, yeah. record, and uh, you know people would be shocked that he isn't, you know, World Player of the Year and all this sort of stuff, because he would. I think he would be what we would think would be the archetypal sort of Northern European, you know, solid, brilliant, professional player. You know, be it Dutch or German or whatever. But because he's come out of England, they're not quite sure what to do with him. I just think. I mean, he obviously, you know in terms of the comparison between him and Brian Robson, is I don't think Frank Lampard can perform on, you know, 15 pints, whereas obviously <laughs> Brian Robson did. No, this is very true. Um, Clayton, I just want to hand over to you. I mean, let's, what we're going to do, we, we'll, just, we'll just throw this open and um, let's, let's just allow ourselves to ramble and eulogise about our favourite Frankie Lampard moments. And I'm, I'm handing it over to you to kick it off. Which I know okay. is a very open question, but... Often- well, no, I mean, I, I, I don't think it is. And Tony mentioned it, but it's got to be Bolton. It, you know, it, it just was the most amazing thing. Um, and every time I see those two goals, I know the big question is Munich or but I, I, I can't tell you, but Bolton was just tremendous. And, and the fact that he did it and he'd had a brilliant season, and as, as you said... Mourinho, um, you know, was was the catalyst to to move him forward, to make him just that bit better. He, you know, he didn't start off. He wasn't brilliant when he started off. I think a lot of us said it was too much money, and why are we buying him? Um, he proved us all wrong. But Bolton was just absolutely. And as I said, I, I, I was looking at the goals last night. Um, the Munich goal um, at home to Munich in I think it was a quarter final at the Champions League. Yes. Where Quibbled and, and put it home was just one of the most brilliant goals. Um, the penalty he scored against Liverpool just after his mum died. I mean, God, that was a tearjerker. That was, I mean, you know, it, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, it was only a tap in, but the goal he scored when we won at Highbury, or did we win or did we draw? Whatever, we beat them. Um, uh, you know, he scored that first goal, the equaliser. Mm. Um, and the, the, there's there's so many others, but but the thing about him, and I, I think. It goes back to what we've all said, and we're trying to sort of put it quite eloquently that 
he's never been a showstopper, but he's he's irreplaceable. And mm. I love the fact that when he, you know, when the, when the guys warm up at Stamford Bridge, he's always the last one off and gets a little round of applause and always applauds back. And at the end of the game, I know that JT um, and I know Dan goes to a lot more away games. Um, I, I don't go to away games that much anymore. Um, but he always goes over to the fans. And mm. it, it, it just comes over as a lovely guy and and somebody that it means something to. The letter that he wrote when he left was just it was brilliant. It was absolutely yeah. brilliant. And, and it's what we all wanted. But for me, Bolton is up there and, and is, is the best thing in my memory. Right. No, it's, it's, it's a very good point. Um, Tone, we'll, we'll, um, we'll throw this one to you now. Um, there's far too many goals for me to, 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 to 211 of the buggers for Christ's sake. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, 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 I go with Clayton, obviously those two, um, against Bolton were, you know, because not only because they were from him, he'd almost become, we'd almost kind of expected it, but, um, you know, it was Mourinho's first season, and I think um, the, f- the fact that Mourinho w- w- was almost part of the catalyst behind what what drove him into this greatness. It's almost like you know, Mourinho put his arm around him, and, and may well have done, and just said, "You know what? You're one of the best players I've ever seen," or something. Because that season, he, you know, he led us as much as John Terry, I think. Um, but I think for just for sheer cojones, for the sheer balls of the man. And and the sheer professionalism, it is that penalty against Liverpool. I, c- I couldn't watch it. I, I fucked off into the back garden. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> um, I was around my brother-in-law who was a Liverpool fan, and I, c- I couldn't watch it. I could not put myself through it. And, you know, that was me, a fucking overweight, fucking 40-something-year-old bloke as I was at the time, right, uh, who all I had to do was cast my eyes towards the television. That bloke had to take a penalty in front of... Forty-five, fifty thousand in 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 Anfield, and his mum had died that week. Jesus Christ! Mm. You know, um, what 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 can you say? But I, the the one thing I was, you know, it all that comes through in all of this is this, and I think we've we've sort of touched on it. Is this shining role model for young kids? This this is a man who doesn't berate the referee Rooney style. Um, this is a bloke who doesn't dive. He doesn't try and win dodgy penalties he doesn't kick people up in the air if he makes a bad tackle it's just because it's slightly mistimed but he's not malicious or anything like that um he's in he's not in the public eye he's not out clubbing it pubbing it he's not shagging everything that moves um or if he is he's doing bloody well at hiding it um he looks after his (coughs) you know he's he's massively committed to his two daughters um despite splitting up from 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 his partner you know some years ago um, and, and you know what can you say? That, that's that's eulogising. But I'm, you know, cock on the block. It's the Liverpool penalty. Noted. Um, Donald, your fave. Um. Ah, well, yeah. I think the, the Bolton moments have to be. Yeah, they're, they're the ones that sort of. If someone asks you or it stops you in the street and asks you, that's what would come to mind. Um. Other than that, I think it's just the fact that it's the always being there, always being in the team, and you're never, you know, it's only maybe in the last season or so that you think, and, and you know, well, last season, the season, well, the season just gone, and perhaps the one under 
uh, the Spanish waiter, where he started to think, well, he's, you know, he's not quite a first name on the team sheet. Whereas before that, you just always assumed he'd be in the team and there was never any question that he would be doing his job. So it's, it's almost that, that consistency as much as, as you say, there's so many goals. And a lot of them, you know, quite spectacular ones. So that ability to arrive in the box, you know, just to, to drift in and, and not be picked up and, and pick off the goals was just superb. And I don't think there's anyone quite as good at that around at the moment. I'm, I'm not aware that there's anyone who can do it quite the way he, done, he, he did it over the years. And, and the non-footballing moment was when he rung up the bloke on LPC and gave <laughs> It's a, the, the guy who'd been suggesting that, uh, funny enough, it was a guy who I think uh, Torf Nigel Farage won. Yes, J- um, James O'Brien. Yes, James. I mean, the guy was decent enough to apologise once Lampard had forcefully put his point, but uh, mm. it was, you know, pre um, pre all the, uh, the, the 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 court cases and then the, the taking apart of the news of the world and so on and so forth. Pre that, to hear uh, someone in the public eye. Um, getting one back, and he was very eloquent and very, you know, he didn't, he didn't shout and swear, and it, it was all about, you know, not him, but about his sister and 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 you know his daughters and stuff. It, it mm. wasn't because he himself was particularly bothered about being slagged off. It was that sort of moment where the media assume because you're in the media eye, you know, that they can start to your fair game and yeah, and so- anyone connected with you. I think it's that's the. The, the thing that got him and uh, and it was you know it's quite uh, it, it was again the measure of the man you know that he mm. would it was about his his you know his sister and his girls and stuff and and keeping them out of the the the, the line yeah, of fire the firing line yeah mm. I mean I think um, for me Dan we'll come on to you in a sec you, you can you can finish this particular point off but I think for me I mean, the Bolton goals are are interesting but. I didn't include it in the article I wrote just simply because it just wasn't enough room and you could have, you could have rambled on for three, three times as long as I did and more. Um, but that point where we went 2-0 up against Bolton and, and we were all standing there agog wherever we happened to be saying, oh dear Lord, we are, gonna do, we are finally going to do this. Mm. I go back a few years to when we were 2-0 up against Leicester with 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 maybe I think two or three games to go, mm. and we end up drawing two all, and it, it was the moment where, I, for a brief brief moment in time, you thought we can do this. This is this is our time, and then it all yeah. just it all fell apart. And that was the point where walking away. I remember talking to mates afterwards. Was just that. almost, you know, a little bit like Liverpool this year where, I mean, they're obviously arrogant enough to think they're going to do it every year. We're not. And walked away and and remember talking to people thinking, that's it, we've blown it. It's never, we're not going to see it again. It's never going to happen again. And fast forward X number of years. Now, obviously, there are any number of other reasons, you know, there was was Roman and his money and, and all the rest of it, but that to me kind of sums Frank's contribution up in amidst all the rest of it. It was just that ability to do it, to, mm. to be the man, like you say, you know, Johnny on the spot, as Clayton said, to be the man who was able to stand up, 
put the ball away, bang, done. And yes, we're champions for the first time in 50 years. That, to me, was the the thing that just makes him a little bit special. And the other bit, which I rambled on in the, in the blog, rambled about in the blog, was the game against Leeds, when we were we went behind twice, got two equalisers. He got the second. He got the, the cross for Idiger Johnson's fantastic overhead kick. And it was his shot that was deflected in sort of fairly late on by Dominic Matteo that won us the game. And that, again, was, you know, he hadn't been brilliant for us up until then. He'd improved in his second season. But that was the point where I remember walking away from the bridge and chatting to mates and thinking, bloody hell, he's, he's not bad, this lad, is he? He's, um, you know, he's, he's becoming something a, a bit special. But, um, Dan, we'll hand over to you. I mean, you've, you have a different perspective in the sense you've obviously spoken to the man as well. But your favourite Frank moment? Um, Frank goals. I mean, from, from a man who, of course, only scores uh, lucky tap-ins, deflections and penalties. <laughs> 211 <laughs> times. Not badly. Yeah. <laughs> 211 <laughs> times. Um, I thought I'd give you a lucky tap-in, a deflection and a penalty. <laughs> the, the lucky, lucky tap-in for me is the, the goal he scored against Barcelona. From an utterly impossible angle, yes. down down at the uh, the Matthew Harding end, um, and and even I think I, I presume it was Vitor Valdez in goal that night didn't seem to know how it went in the back of the net. None of us did. Mm. It did anyway. So there's his lucky tap in one of the best goals I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> the deflections. Well, there are actually two here. I'm going to give to the two goals that, that secured his record uh, as the the Chelsea's greatest ever goal scorer up at Villa Park, mm. which you know. People after say, "Well, did it, get, did it get a bit of a knock? Did it? Did it come somewhere else?" <laughs> He's just turned around the entire game. Not bad, bad for a past it player, you know, as people were claiming at the time, who, who, who was out of goals. And and then the penalty. I'll give you not just one, but three penalties in two minutes against West Ham. Yes, um, <laughs> fantastic. Has any, other, has any other player scored three penalties in two minutes? Oh gosh, yeah. just it shows the man, doesn't it? it shows. The word, the word that was recently used about just the team in general and what we're going to miss when he's not there by Mourinho is cojones, balls. And it mm. shows that he's certainly got them. And all three of those goals, I think, sum that up, really. Yeah, no, it's a very good point. And actually, just sorry to, to, to throw in something on the end, but it, it was West Ham again. The, the, other, the other game, and it, it was a midfield performance from, from two men, one including Frank, um, the second title, the second title winning season under Mourinho. West Ham at home, about five or six games before the end of the season, we went one nil down and Manish was sent <laughs> off. Oh, remember <laughs> that well. Set. And Manish's greatest ever moment for Chelsea, to be fair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Probably one of his very few, but. But the thing I remember about it most was Mourinho had words and, and shifted people around and said, right, we're doing this and we're doing that and we're doing whatever. And between Frank and Makaleli, they absolutely dominated that game from that moment onwards. And we absolutely destroyed them. They, and, and it was, it's one of those things where if, if, if you can find it on YouTube and, and, and watch it it was just a remarkable performance and we 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 simply took 11 men to pieces with 10 men and they they weren't in the game at any point i think manish was sent off after about a quarter of an hour mm. 10 minutes later drogba scored and it went on from there and we absolutely steamrolled them and, and frank and makaleli were sat right in the middle of that and they just dictated the whole thing from start to finish 
magnificent performance. Now, how many how many penalties did um, Lampard score out of the two hundred and something goals? How many of those are penalties? Just uh, just question. for interest, I, I was wondering the other day. I, I seem to remember when he got the record, it, was, it came up and it was something like forty or fifty. Right, okay. um, no, it's just that when, when I see Alan Shearer and people and everyone talks about what great goal, goal scorers they were, I, of course, bitterly spit at the television and go, yeah, but he used to take all the penalties. But, of course, <laughs> I would never, never, ever say that about Frank. But it was just a, a curiosity as to how many of his goals were penalties. Can I, can I just say one last thing about no, Frank? No, please do. Um, I was, I'd probably get shouted down for this, but I was so pleased that he was our captain in Munich. I mean, if anybody was deserving of having that honour, I mean, I know, you know, what we all feel about JT, etc. But I was so pleased for him, you know. I mean, apart from being absolutely brilliant in the game, which he was, um, to be the captain that night, I think, you know, just crowned a fantastic career for him. I, I, you know, mm. obviously he couldn't get anywhere near the cup because of the swinger. Um, but, um, <laughs> but it, it was wonderful it was just absolutely wonderful and the celebrations um, in front of us at the end of the game you know when he was holding the cup um, just just great just just mm. throw that in yeah no it's mm. a, a very good point actually obviously JT is the captain and has been for many many years but just as a a moment of recognition for a, an extraordinary servant to the club that, um, well, you, you can't top it. Um, what we'll do, we'll, I'm going to briefly sort of touch upon the point that, that Mourinho made in his, his interview in the week that Frank basically appears to have an open checkbook, if you like. He, he, can, he can come back, he can, you know, I suspect if he wanted to sell programmes or hot dogs, they would probably allow him to do that. He could do pretty much whatever he wants. Um, it's an interesting thought, this, because I, I always, I'm always very, very wary and, and slightly reticent of, of legends, of, of playing legends returning to, to clubs and going into any kind of management, because let's be honest, you know, being, being a manager is like being a politician. It, 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 the career rarely ends in, in the kind of success and, and, and glory that you want it to. Most managerial careers end in, well... Well, the sack. <laughs> the sack. Yeah, if if if, if we want to we want to summarise it. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm 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 torn on it. I, I'm I'm quite happy for Frank to have, have walked away and, and disappeared down the tunnel at, Nor- at half time against Norwich, and for that to be that. But there there appears to be more to it. Um, Dan, your thoughts? I mean, I suspect. He will. He will turn up again at some point. Oh, I'm certain he will. Um, he's he's already he's already talked about starting doing his badges. I, I don't know. It's very difficult to know how far down that line he's got. Mm. One would imagine he'd do that. It, it, it's, it's interesting to see the way that he's he's matured and progressed over the years. Um, uh, I, I've chatted with him on and off. Um, I suppose over the last, particularly the last ten years, and and he's really sort of turned into. He's, he's turned from a young buck into a, an older statesman, as we all have, I suppose. Um, and, uh, you well, know, just the, el- the elder in my... Uh, <laughs> there's no statesman here, but... Yeah. But he always seems to be very clear in the past that he couldn't see a future where he'd be going to management, and he seems to be more and more keen to do that when you talk to him about these things now. Mm. Um, you know, you, you really think, Sorry to interrupt, but do you, yeah. do you think as... As time goes on, all the while you're playing and that, and that bug of, of the game that's in you... You probably don't think about 
a managerial career that when when the playing side starts to disappear you're going to still you know it's an addiction we all know that from whatever side of it we come from and is 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 he sort of seeing that buzz of of the big games disappearing and thinking actually the only way I'm going to be able to get this back is to to sit in sit in the dugout I think that's a bit of it, but I think also he's he's over the years he's managed to realise what a manager can do for a player. Um, seeing him interact mm. um, in the margins of, of the tunnel and things like that with the different managers, and we have had a few to be fair down the years, <laughs> <laughs> um, is it's been really remarkable. You, you, you see the way he bounces off different people, always very very respectful. The, the point that was made earlier about Scolari, a man you know who's never re- really going to be more than a footnote in the history of the club, is he? If that, um, but you know the, the respect he showed for him, and and you know, I, I remember also um, there were moments towards the end of when Hiddink was was caretaker, and you saw a real sort of richness of a relationship between the two, and you could see that there was a real respect there. Mm. I think I think he's, he's sort of taken something from all the people that have managed him, and I think I'm sure he believes, and I'm sure he's right. He's got something to give in that department. So yeah, it'd be lovely to see him back. Mm. I think it's it's, it's, a, it's an interesting point in terms of uh, he, he's he's actually he possibly has an even an even greater advantage than than perhaps someone like Ryan Giggs, who obviously played under under Ferguson for his entire career. Frank, when you think about it, Frank, conversely, he's actually watched how it's done properly and how you can do it very, very dramatically badly in terms of the managers he's played under. You know, he's, he's played under he's played under Mourinho and Hiddink, and he's also played under Vias Boas and Scolari. Now, and he's also played he's played under Ancelotti. Yeah, exactly. In fact, it was it was under and Ancelotti that he he scored. <laughs> He scored, what is it, 20 league goals for the first time under Ancelotti. Mm. One, you know, that's another thing. Is As well as being the record goal scorer for Chelsea, he's played in the record goal-scoring team. And I think it's someone like Ancelotti that, if you're going to compare him to someone, it would be of that ilk. Because, obviously, Mourinho never played at the level Frank has. Um, mm. yeah, Scolari, true. people like that. It's Ancelotti I would see him as, you know, if he's thinking about getting to the top of football management. It would be someone like Ancelotti, I would have thought, who played at, you know, similarly to Frank, was a world-class footballer, but obviously has that, you know, which Roy Keane and some of these people lack, isn't it? They, they can't they can't deal with the lads who aren't as good as them, but Ancelotti obviously can. Mm. You know, he has a way of getting something out of a team, doesn't he? Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's that part of it. I'm sure Frank and a lot of these guys can coach, you know, can know know how to put the drills together, how to to manage. It's, it's the man management side of it that I think kills most of them. Mm. Um, and, yeah. and not knowing him, but maybe Dan obviously sees him around the place. Is he is he someone who strikes you as someone who's got that sort of man management ability? Well, I, I certainly don't pretend to know him, um, but mm. um, but talking to yeah. him, he's certainly got a good manner about him. And mm. uh, you know, it, it's it's notable that in in. The, the 13 years he's been in Chelsea and how many managers is that 10, 11 something like that whatever mm-hmm. it is um, he's only fallen out with one of them um, and uh, uh, <laughs> let's face it we all did <laughs> I think we did didn't we so, certainly I did um, and uh, as, as far as I can tell I mean talking to 
people close to him, the main reason for him falling out with uh, AVB was because of his treatment of Ashley Cole. Um, mm. You know, this is this is a guy who's very very amenable and, and you know knows how to communicate, which is which is what mm. half the job is, isn't it? Really? Yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah, mm. no, it's very true. Um, Clayton, just over to you for a second. Are you um, do you, do you have reservations about club legends returning and um, and taking on well whatever role they may take on? Or are you are you happy to to welcome him back in in whatever capacity? I, I think that um, it's difficult. I remember when John Hollins became our manager. I mean, John Hollins was was a legend, was a great player, mm. um, and he came back and he w- he did okay because I think he was assistant to start off with, and then he became manager and he, he did okay to start in to start off, and then he brought in the um, the fantastic Ernie Wally. <laughs> who was one of these guys who basically, you know, you had to run up a sand hill and down again and up again and down again. If you didn't do that, you weren't a good footballer. Um, and by the end of it, I, I absolutely detested Hollins. And, and it, that that's probably more my personality than anything else. But, I, I mean, you know, when he when he finally got booted out, I was really pleased. And mm. I don't, you know, I don't want to feel that about Frank. Now, Frank, all of us have said he, he comes across as an intelligent guy. Obviously, Dan... He's got first-hand knowledge. And it seems to me that he'd actually make a very good manager because he's played under all those managers. He, you know, he, he seems a very, very intelligent guy and he sort of understands the game. And because he's had to work harder than others, as we've discussed, to, to, to make it um, to the point he's got to, he'd be good in bringing those, those qualities through. But I don't know... You look at young footballers and you just think, you know, Frank says, well, I was out there for 12, and they'll just look at him and say, loser. And I'll, you know, I'll get in my Ferrari and and go away. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether he'd want to do it. Um, He's much too intelligent to be a TV pundit. Um, You know, he, he just, I don't know. I really don't know. I've got reservations. I mean, just because you love somebody as a player, do they, does that make him a good manager? It gives him a little bit of, of leeway if things don't work out. You think, oh, it's Frank, you know. But no, I, you just want the best man for the job. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. I, I think we we could possibly get a little too sentimental and and overlook the fact that actually, almost almost in the way that that Ferguson did with Moyes is is that there were. This, this sort of bizarre set of values or whatever you choose to call it about what you what you're looking for in a manager and actually what you're looking for is just a ruthless winner and whether frank is that in in a suit on the touchline is obviously you know, none of us know and, and and we will never know until such time as um as, as he um as he gives but, it a go but it, but, it is it is significant um that the uh, the record that was number one on the day he was born is a particular, you know, has a particular line in it that uh, may come back and and maybe the way that we all feel about him once he uh, once you, he has become a manager. Are you are you saying you're ready with a seamless musical link? I am. Excellent. Do go. This this is what was number one on the day he was born. <laughs> Multiplying, 
the woman I, I have to end named, it named after named after <laughs> God, make it stop! Yes, so punt never happened, really, I'm isn't having, it? I'm having, to, yeah. and I'm having very impure thoughts about Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> it, you know, you just can't do that to a man of my age. A woman named after a firm of solicitors. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Uh, listen, we could, we could probably sit here and. and would happily do so we could ha- we could sit here and talk about frank all night um but we, we do need to move on to other stuff um i've for me uh, just just the most remarkable man and, and it doesn't matter how long we talk for or how much and much we write i don't think we're ever going to be able to summarize exactly what he's been to chelsea football club in the last 13 years he 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 has he has been part of a very small group of men, whether on the pitch or off the pitch, who have simply changed the landscape, not just of the football club, but of European football. You know, it's Frank was was one of one of the handful of men who who kicked the door down to to European football's old boys club, and and we've we've been sat at the top table ever since. Um, which, if you'd have said that to us, fifteen ish years ago it would have just sounded ridiculous so um a, a remarkable man i'm personally delighted and, and privileged to have watched him and i'm sure we all think exactly the same and um we hope to see him back soon in one capacity or another sorry after you said something so portentous can i just bring a bit of levity to the situation by Go ahead. a very personal anecdote and that is um i think it was um away at stuttgart very very early in in the job that i'm currently doing um, when uh, I, I tackled him in the mix zone after the game, and I asked him a particularly stupid question, <laughs> a young reporter, and he looked at me askance, uh, and it was a very, very cold night, and I was wearing a hat somebody had bought for me, and uh, he said, you expect me to answer a question like that from a man wearing a hat like that? <laughs> <laughs> and and the, thing, the thing that Frank Lampard gave to me more than anything else is that I never wore a hat like that again. <laughs> As, as, uh, as millinery advice from the great part he has influenced our club in ways that we just don't know about <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that, that's wonderful um, oh Clive would like that wouldn't he Clive yes I was going to say in that uh, Frank Lampard has taken on board the we are Chelsea and Chelsea is style oh, and yeah. you don't wear a hat like that <laughs> heaven forbid you'd been wearing a pair of red trousers that, that's all I can say <laughs> um, now we'll, what we'll do is we'll, we'll move on um, and we'll talk about probably um, had had Frank not not been and departed in the way that he has, um, the subject that w- probably would have dominated this this podcast in in, in the close season um, on the first of July. David Lewis will be a PSG player. Um, mm. It's a move that has divided fans in 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 the way that the, the player himself did. Um, can we really afford to turn down that kind of money for a, a player who's found himself on the fringes, albeit playing in almost all of last season's big games um, under Mourinho? Um, Tone, you're, you're a big fan. We, we've, we've clashed on, on the subject of David Lewis we many, have. many times in the past. Um, your thoughts, please. Uh, I'm pretty gutted. But, you know, I, 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 you know I, I understand you cannot turn down humongous amounts of money like that you can't you know uh, Manchester United would have held on to Ronaldo if that was the case wouldn't they and mm. uh, Tottenham would have kept hold of Gareth Bale and um, you know so it was a good price however 
However, and I've caveated this so many times before with the, with my view is is I pay nine hundred and whatever it is quid for a season ticket to see players like him. I want to be entertained. Okay, I want to see characters. I want to see uh, people like him who um, will make the occasional balls up. Of course they will. But what got me and what really pisses me off about a lot of people is that the, it's the same as the anti-Mikel brigade. These are people who can't see past the end of their fucking nose, right? And, 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 and once, once they got rid of the... Strong, you know, strong views. Well, you know, once, once, <laughs> they, once, once they jumped off the anti-Mikel bandwagon, they were on to the anti-Louis. That bloke came on and he played for us in, the, in Munich injured. Okay, and mm. he put in an absolutely fantastic. Movie. And God forbid anybody should forget his fucking penalty, which if it had Neuer got in the way of it, would have took him in the back of the net as well, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, and you know, so when I when I get on my my high horse about Ramirez, who I think is a red card waiting to happen every time he goes on the pitch, and then people start tweeting bollocks about, oh, Louise looks like he's on a red card. Okay, I think his disciplinary record stands up pretty well in comparison to Ramirez and several other of our players. Yeah, so I'm I'm very sorry to see him go. He's a future Brazil captain. He will feature heavily in this World Cup, and it's those sort of players. And it, it, you know, I, I just want to make a point here. Actually, um, I think I saw someone as, tweet it, as if you have ready. No. <laughs> okay. So uh, on that, I can't think of another manager who would have got rid of Ashley Cole, Frank Lampard, Etu, Louise, and uh, oh, well, I don't know whoever else we've bloody sold. Can you Possibly imagine? even Peter Check as well. Yeah. Possibly, can you yeah. think if if can you can you imagine if Benitez had done that? That, that Stanford Bridge would be a smouldering rubble now. Okay, <laughs> that's what it would we, be. I'm- Dan, Dan, Dan would be, would be there with with his with his microphone outside a large <laughs> yes. heap of smouldering rubble. Exactly. So my, you know, I'm very clear. I, I accept it's a fantastic amount of money. I, I accept that it was he had slipped into the fringes. I think it's a shame. He's a player. I think in two three years time will be talked of in the same breath as Carlos Puyol, um, and not just because they share a similar hairstyle. I think he's a, a, an absolute loss. And I wouldn't be surprised if in two or three years' time we're trying to buy him back. Noted. Yeah, I think, uh, I would say, Tony, that uh, I think you can't confuse, or not, or you can't uh, talk about the Ashley, I think the Ashley Cole Lampard and even Eto situations are separate from the Louise in that I think that's almost a club policy now that these guys get offered a year and you know, oh, yeah, either take it or leave it. I think the Louise thing stands differently, and that's much more of a footballing decision or, or a decision about a player and, and the money that they can get for him and his perceived value or centrality to the team. I think the others that you know we've been waiting for sort of two or three years for the in inverted commas clear out to happen. We we knew that these players were going to be going at some point as this you know, the same reason Balak went and various others. It's this one year, you know, take it or leave it. So that mm. that's, that I don't believe is in Mourinho's or would be surprised if I'm sure if Mourinho absolutely, you know, needed someone then it might change. But I'd I'm fairly sure that he has to go along with the policy that they that they've always had. You're talking common sense, of course, which is beyond um, quite a few people that I send to follow on Twitter anyway, who, <laughs> if had that been exactly the same policy that had occurred under Rafa Benitez, it would have been mm. a rubble. Sorry. Mm. Oh, you know, I, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, yeah. yeah. So, oh, well, sorry, sorry to interject. Yeah. Um, Clayton, 
I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if we've, we've ever really sort of spoken on the subject of, of David Lewis. He's, it's, um, he is, you know, as we know, he is a player who divides opinion. For me, I, I, I've. I've sat on the fence and I've, I've gone both sides of it, but I'm, I'm sorry to see him go overall. I think it, it's a shame that he's, he's departed. Um, for me, the, the, the two PSG games were, were David Lewis in microcosm. Home leg, he was absolutely superb. I thought he was probably the best player on the pitch. And, and he, he was, it, it was it was indicative of why you played him in games like that. He was he was hustling, getting the ball forwards. He was just making things happen. The away leg, I thought he was shocking. He, he was a moment away from a red card. It was just took his gun well though. It, he did, and this is the th- that's the thing. It's it's just the the balance of it is is that he's one thing and he's one thing at the completely at the wrong end of the spectrum, and then. Moments later, he's everything you want in a player, and and I think that for me that seems to be what Mourinho isn't about. He, he'd rather have a seven out of ten, five weeks out of six, than a three out of ten followed by a nine out of ten. But what are your thoughts on on Luis and his departure? Well, I think Tony said everything I, I wanted to say. To be perfectly honest with you, I I'm I'm gutted he's going, and I'm really sad that we can't accommodate. A player like that. Now, you know he's a maverick. There, there is no doubt. And I'm, I'm. I think it's. I think his problem was that he can't be trusted in defence, and there are better midfielders. But mm. he is a fantastic footballer. He should have been groomed to be our next captain. Um, and I think that yeah, if yeah. it wasn't for, for FFP, he wouldn't be going. Because we're getting yeah. stupid money for him, um, and if we didn't need to sell him, because you know it looks like we are trying to um, to you know fall in line with FFP, um, then I don't think he'd be going. I, I think the other thing is, um, and I wanted Jose back, so I, a lot of a lot of me says if that's what he thinks is the right thing to do, then fine, it's okay by me. Um, is that? he made a comment about our favourite centre-forward um, that once they're past a certain age, he can't do anything with them. Now, he's mm. getting Zuma in, and he's after, is it Varane? Is that the guy's pronunciation? Uh, right, yeah, the guy who was at Real, yeah. Both young, and he'll basically, he'll tell them how to defend what he wants them to do. I don't know what age Ricky Carvalho um, was when Jose got hold of him. But, you know, and, and John Terry was quite young when Jose came in. So I think that there's a little bit of that. You know, he can't do anything with them. And and, and he's quite undoubtedly a control freak. And if he can't do anything with them, then he, he can't trust them. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think um, there, there's not many players that we let go who I think mm, are really, you know, He's going to come back and hurt us one day, but he he is one of them. It, it is he's it's that's the overriding thing for for all the reservations I've ever had about him. And when we let players go, whether they are young, old, whatever it happens to be, is that you sort of ask the question: In three years' time, are we going to be looking at the Ballon d'Or shortlist and thinking bollocks? What did we? Why on earth did we do that? And I think he's probably the, one of the first 
players I've looked at in a long time where you can actually see that happening. You know, it may, may not happen, you know, who knows. But it's just, it's just got that little niggling thing about it that makes me think, shit. I mean, to be fair, he's going to PSG. I mean, you know, yeah. obviously the money. But he won't be there long. He'll go somewhere else. He'll probably go end up at one of the big Spanish clubs. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I just, yeah. Yeah, true. Um, Dan, your thoughts on David Lewis, please. Uh, at the risk of stepping out of line here and uh, <laughs> hand grenade into the... Uh, this is what we want. Come on. We're very okay, democratic fine. here, Dan. Very democratic. <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, you've all got you all got my Twitter handle, so you can come and burn me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> going to burn your hat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. Yes. You're welcome yes. to do that. Um, I think it may have already been done. Uh, Louis, right? Louis is an incredible guy. Um, one of the most entertaining personalities I think I've ever dealt with in football. You know, a, a real you know live wire. A, a very again, a very intelligent guy. Surprisingly so. Learned English in double quick time. Um, but is he a defender? Um, that's the difficult thing. Um, if you think about him being valued as a 50 million euro defender, which he is now, um, I'm trying to think of the number of games in the last, what is it, three and a half years where he was he was a, a 50 million euro defender. And, mm. and Munich was certainly one of them. He was amazing in that game. Uh, the final of the uh, World Club Cup in Japan, he was about the only one who was. He looked amazing. He looked like Paolo Maldini in that game. Um, and uh, Man City away in the league this season. Uh, yeah. he, he's brilliant. Um, but the problem is that he wants to be Paolo Maldini. He doesn't want to be a midfielder. And I think the writing has been on the wall a little bit because Mourinho doesn't think he is Paolo Maldini, quite clearly. Um, mm. I spoke to him early in the season after, I think it was the game at Swindon because he'd been dropped for the previous game at, at Fulham, and he is very, very frosty indeed. Um, then I remember speaking to him against uh, after the game against Man City, where he'd had this fantastic game, you know, arguably between him and Matic, man of the match. And he was just so, really, hackles are up. You know, that, that whole sort of uh, lively personality wasn't there. Um, and you know, I asked him about whether he liked you know, if this manager wanted him to play in midfield, whether you know, he, he could be a, a real star there, and he just wasn't having it. And as far as I'm concerned, he doesn't really, unfortunately, fit into the current model. He will look good in France because in France he won't need to defend, to be frank. Mm. Um, and Mourinho is going through a, a bit of a, a change of fleet at the moment. He's, he's got he's, he's inherited a load of Ferraris, and he's trying to change for BMWs. Um, Luis yeah. is a Ferrari. You know, he, he, he's flashy. He's a bit maverick. He's most likely to be seen broken down at the side of a, an Italian motorway. It's both coming out smoke the billowing from. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I gather. I gather Ferrari's lawyers won't be listening to this. <laughs> okay. it's, un, it's unlikely, in all honesty. <laughs> Uh, as, a, as a man who only drives a, a two-wheeled bicycle, I cannot yeah. really comment on this. But you know, he will be changed for a BMW, which will be ruthlessly efficient, which will fire all, all, all cylinders and will just be reliable. And, mm. and you know, like, like it or not, I, I love the personality that is Louis. I understand a few people got a little bit rubbed up by it, but I, I'm afraid I can't countenance someone as unreliable as a defender as that. Yeah. No, I, you know, I'm not sure he ever got a long enough run on, on is he a left or is he a right sided centre back? You know, he was always seeming to be where, you know, did they buy him because they were thinking of 
John Terry going out the door um, because he's he's never had a run a proper run in the side, has he? Um, I think he, he, he consistently was, where he for me. I think I, th- I think that the, the thing is I think he is possibly and and we will we will never know the definitive answer. I think he is possibly one of one of the players who has suffered slightly from the the, the, the managerial changes. Had he been taken on by a manager one manager from a you know relatively early stage in his career who said right this is what i want you to do and to the extent that he managed to rein in all the stupid bits but kept the good bits of his game we might have been been looking at a genuinely fantastic player but i think the chopping and changing i think he's you know benitez benitez used him wherever he needed to use him and Mourinho's used him wherever he needed to use him because I think they possibly look at it in the sense that, you know, they have to deliver results and they have to deliver trophies or whatever. And they just don't really know what to do with him. They know they can use him when they need him, but over the course of, you know, 50 games of the season, they, they can't put him somewhere and say, right, you're going to be our left-sided centre-half and you need to form a decent understanding with Ashley Cole on your left hand side, or, or whatever it happens <clears> to be. That, for me, it seems to have been one of the one of the problems about him. I'm not suggesting it's the only one, but sorry, Dan, you were you were about yeah, to say. I was just about to say he was brought to be the future of Chelsea. He was brought to be our future captain to take over from John Terry, and, mm. and the big thing that changed that is Jose Mourinho came back, um, and Jose has different ideas about how people defend. Um, yeah, and, you know. I, 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 I'm not picking sides here, but I am. But he likes defenders to be able to defend. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't think Lewis really can to that level. Mm. But I, don't, I, think he, I think he can. I, I think there's a, a consistency problem, perhaps, which, you know, I think has been exacerbated, as John says, by the, the chopping and the changing. and has also been exacerbated by the fact that the, it strikes me that Lewis would be happier if he was the one who was put in where he wants to be across the back line and then the rest of them get built around him. The problem I think he has is that um, if he is a left-sided centre-back, he's still contesting his place with John Terry. And while John Terry is there and they seem unwilling to move him out, and he certainly had some sort of return to form this season... um, that that I think has, has contributed. I, I'm I'm not convinced that that, despite the Alan Hansen regular hatchet job on a Saturday night, I'm not convinced he's any better or or worse than quite a lot of world class centre backs. You know, you can always pick the howlers. You can always find the howlers. I, I think, you know, if if two players play together and get established, it, it's it's much easier not to make those howlers. And my other mm-hmm. worry about you know how this is affecting English football is in the space of what, a couple of years we've lost Asuakoto. We're losing David Luiz. Fellaini appears to have gone off the boil. <laughs> Colaccini spent most of the season injured. Where on God's earth are we going to get the big big hair matchups from in the coming seasons? You know. <laughs> They're getting 41 extra million quid or whatever it is into the Premier League from television and getting rid of all the blokes with big hair. Where are this, the bros? can't Where go are on. the bros with the froze? That's what we want to know. This is, yes, it's... Uh, A pertinent it's, point. And uh, what's his name went up to Hull and had all his hair cut off. 
What was his name? The Tottenham Huddleston. fellow? Midfield. Huddleston. Yeah. He got rid of his big hair as well. Huddleston. Huddleston. Yeah. Didn't he? <laughs> yeah. And it showed as well, frankly. Um, I think, I think that's, that's... I'm worried, I have to say. It's anyway. probably a pertinent point to, uh, to, to finish that, that point on. Um, well, yeah, sorry, sorry, Johnny, can I just yeah, say one, one, one last thing about Lewis, and that is that um, on the 31st of January 2011, I think it was, uh, at this club bet its entire future, 75 million quid on two mm. players. One of them yeah. was a striker who couldn't score. One of them was a defender who couldn't defend. We're 50% of the way there. Yes. <laughs> I think that is a very fine point on which to finish this part of the conversation. Um, we, we thank David Lewis because he has been, uh, for, for whatever his faults may be, however you perceive them, he has been a fantastically entertaining player, scored some cracking goals and, and been involved in some of our, our finest nights in, in recent years. So we wish him well. Don't ever cut your hair. And um, we hope to see him back at some point in the not-too-distant future. Um, we have a few, few final bits to, to rattle on through. Um, the transfer window, which, despite all the rambling and nonsense that we've heard, doesn't actually open for another three weeks or whatever it happens to be. Um, it seems highly likely that Diego Costa, Cesc Fabregas, and possibly Felipe Luiz will be joining us. Um, I think... We could, we could all sit and speculate as to whether Diego Costa and Fabregas are going to slot in where we need them or what position they're going to, well, what position Fabregas is going to play and so on and so forth. But what it is, it's experience and goals that they both bring, which there were points at last season, we all know the games that we're talking about, where that's what we lacked. Um, gents, a few quick fire points on the transfer windows. We, we, we know roughly who's coming. I don't think there's too many surprises there. Um, your thoughts on the arrivals and who's go- who else is going to go? Tony, kick us off quickly. Diego uh, Costa, yes. Fabregas, yes. Philippe Lewis, don't know him. Never heard of him. But uh, you know, Mourinho's picking him. I guess he must, be, he must have something. Um, he played two blinders against us in the Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. But I, I must admit, I'd... I, 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 I like the look of Costa because he's such an irritating bastard. You know the defenders are going to hate him, um, and and he's, he's got that, in that sense he's quite drogbaresque, isn't he? You know he's a bit of a pain in the arse, and no one likes playing against him. And and I think that's what we've lacked certainly this season. Is any any sort of striker with any fear factor about him? Etu maybe, but um, you know the bloke couldn't play more than four, you know one game without some other ten. ten uh, um, uh, ligament Another or something like, yeah, <laughs> tendon or something, really twanging or something. Um, I, I also, I, I, I don't know, but I have a feeling that Thibaut Courtois is going to come back. Um, I think that Mourinho will be looking at the future. I, I, I'll be interested to see whether he does a playoff like he did with Carlo and Czech. But for all those people that are whinging about the fact that you know Czech was, in, you know, he's a great good keeper, and I don't dispute any of that. Um, he came from Rennes. Um, so people can't give me the bollocks about him, Courtois not having uh, a Premier League experience because Peter Cech had had soddle in the way of top flight experience to compare with the Premier League. Um, and uh, I just I just got a feeling that Courtois is going to be too good. He's a gift horse, I think, and uh, I think we need to get him. Um, too even good if to it's, ignore. I just think it is. I think you might have a Shilton Clements thing for a, for a little while, but uh, you know he's been. Anyone who's done what he's done in three years in Spain, which is arguably a better league than ours, you know, he can't be all bad. And then I think it's just a, a case of, um, I, 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 I'm not sure that Barr and Torres are the, are the future. Personally, I think I'd like to see, 
I, I like Bale. He's never said anything wrong. I, th- I, I still want Torres to go. I still think he's... Unless Mourinho is setting him up to be and play the Anelka position, you know, which is setting things up and not particularly getting the goals towards the end, but still a valuable player. Um, I think he's 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 a, a busted flush. Um, I'd I'd give Lukaku. I really would give him a go. He's a gobby gobshite. He's a bit obnoxious from what I can gather. Maybe he's got a bit of arrogance about him that we need. But I'd I'd certainly like to see him back and given a chance. I really hmm. would. Okay, um, Clayton, your thoughts on departures and arrivals? Uh, um, yeah, completely agree on Costa. He's obnoxious, he's horrible, he's everything we haven't got. Um, I know that you probably can't mention other uh, podcasts, but um, Kerry Dixon was on a podcast and he was he, oh, no, he no, just no, hit the no, nail no, on no, the no. head. He basically said that we've got no presence up front, none whatsoever. Um, and when, you know, our guys trot out, the you know, the halves, they're not bothered. This um, I've got absolutely no idea whether he'll score any goals because I'll strike his goals. Um, I hope <laughs> he does. Um, you know, just have to wait and see. Fabregas is a really, really strange one because I, I can't imagine him in a Chelsea shirt and I can't imagine him what he's going to... I mean, he's a great player, but I, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to fit Mm. Yeah, um, I don't get it personally, but I mean, you know, the whole Arsenal couldn't give a monkeys. I mean, we hated him twice. We hated Thomas, and 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 they turned all right. Um, the the fullback Louise looks fantastic. He's sort of a, a very much a, a sort of you know uh, an Albert Ferrer, a Paolo Ferrer sort of fullback. Really solid, unsung. Just yeah, I think top top class. Um, I don't know what we we do need another striker, uh, whether it is Lukaku or I, I don't know how close it is. I don't know whether Bamford, if he, we stuck him on the bench and threw him in, I, I might be a bit naive. He might be a, a million miles off. But all this talk of Mansukic, every time I've seen him, he's looked dreadful. He looked absolutely mm-hmm. dreadful. I mean, be interesting to see him in the World Cup. Um, but, you know, you might be coming on to this, Johnny, but I, I want to see a couple of the kids on the bench. I want to see a couple of the kids in the side. Um, just, yeah, that, that, that's where I'm coming from. I think with Ivanovic yeah. and Matic, we've, we've got our full complement of mad Balkans, which you always have to have in a world-class <laughs> side. So I, I agree with you. I don't need, see the need for Mandzukic at this point. Sadly, Peter Barot is no longer about. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ultimate mad Balkan. <laughs> no, I think... Um, I mean, the transfer market will obviously become a little clearer. The World Cup obviously throws things into into all sorts of chaos and, um, and who knows what's going to happen. And, you know, there are any number of candidates who may be the player of the tournament that everyone starts throwing money at. And I always think the transfer market, it, it takes the one big money move to sort of set the domino trail going before everyone else starts shifting along so we will no doubt um, we will no doubt come back to it um dan briefly your your thoughts are you can i just say that um sorry go on donald no go on john sorry no sorry dan just throw your thoughts in on on the transfer market and um where you think we will be in um in six weeks time or so um on what's already been said, Diego Costa, I agree with everything. Yeah, he, he's, he's a right handful and, uh, and and therefore a pain in the backside and then typical Chelsea. Um, Fabregas, it will be odd seeing him in blue, but he's only a year older than Ashley Cole was when he signed for Chelsea and whoever thinks of him as an Arsenal player these days. True, uh, point. 
Lewis already made the point, looked brilliant in two games uh, against us. Um, other players may be going out. Ramirez, surely, I mean, there's talk of 25 million. You know, yes. I'll take I'd, it. I'd, it's another one you can't turn down, really. I'd pay his airfare. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Petr Cech is a bit of a question mark. Just bear in mind, Atletico have just bought a goalkeeper, Miguel Angel Moya from Getafe. Um, does that mean that, that we are going to get back um, uh, Courtois? Um, Courtois is a man Mourinho really, really wants to get in. The mm. only issue is whether or not the club need him as a bargaining chip for other people at Atletico. Um, Lukaku, I think, is gone. Um, mm, okay. uh, pe- pe- people will will like or dislike that, but I think he's gone. Yeah, I t- to me, Lukaku is a, a strange one in the sense that so much of the sort of the verbal sparring and, and his sort of brief time under Mourinho before he went back out on loan um, this season. So much of, of the verbal sparring and the, the needle that's gone on between him and Mourinho is is, is Mourinho saying, "Son." If you want to be you want to be the number nine at a club like this, you need a, a big pair on you. And frankly, I don't see it. And Lukaku, he's never ever shown me enough. <laughs> I, I really, I do think. No, it, I'm, it's, it's, I, you it's, know, you've got to have. <laughs> if, if we're being we're being coarse yeah. and straightforward no, about this, I just you're going to be the. Sorry, God. I just had this image there of um, the Austin Powers bit when uh, uh, when number whatever Robert Wagner uh, was. It's Rob Lowe who's playing him, and he questions Doctor Evil, and he starts bouncing the ball in his face. Would well, be the big man, do you? Be the big man. <laughs> I've just picture of Mourinho standing there with Lukaku doing the same. Do-dum, do-dum, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, sorry. No, but I do, and I do. I genuinely think Mourinho has, has has just been prodding him and saying, "Come on, son, if you think you've got it, show me." And and I I simply don't think I think Lukaku is probably going to be happier being a big fish in a small pond. And we we go back to the point about letting players go if Europe's greats were were coming in and saying 50 million for your man there we'll take him off your hands then I'd be concerned but the fact that Spurs are sniffing around Uh, I'm not terribly worried but you know it'd be a shame but you know if he doesn't want to if he doesn't want to play second fiddle I I, I just don't think Costa and Torres will be enough I just don't think it will because if Costa gets himself injured He's, he's injured at we're moment, back, or whatever. Back then we're back exactly back to square one. You can't. Nobody will be sitting there. Not one Chelsea fan I know will be sitting there saying, "Thank fuck, we've got Torres or Bar." Not one. <laughs> I mean, we'll be sitting again. We, we might be sitting again. Jesus, we've got Torres or Bar. That's all we've got. So that's why. So, so maybe maybe Clayton's point about uh, Bamford, who's you know, it, of course it's a, a wild card. It's a bit of a gamble. But so was Rooney, wasn't he? And, and so many other teams seem to have. You know, I I, I dare say there's quite a few of us that were sitting there last season. On the beginning of the season, saying, "Yeah, that Raheem Sterling won't come up to much." A lot of people were sitting there saying, "That Sturridge, he's a bit fucking no, he's, he's never going to make it." Well, you know what? There's one I think that we've we've we sold that's mm. coming back to haunt us. Frank Lampard says we shouldn't have sold. Him. Frank says as well. Yeah. yeah, Dan. Sorry, you were you were. Sorry, gonna... Dan. You've gone. <laughs> no, that's right. No, I was just going to ask Tony if you can really see Torres being at Chelsea next season. Um, I've got exclusive, I've got exclusive news actually because <laughs> in J- JD Sport kneeling today um there's a poster up of him in the yellow kit so i'm sorry to say he's staying i don't think he's going anywhere but but we've got form on this because when we had when we uh, we had um michael ballack advertising Mm. a a a whole new kit one year and it was the very Mm. season he left so uh, yeah so i think there is hope 
there is hope. There is hope. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, um, I take your point, Dan, because I just think that um, it's funny that no, none, none of the other, no one's sniffing around Torres particularly, other than a rumoured Atletico Madrid um, bid. Um, Why would that or, be? Or swap? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I've got nothing against Torres per se. He's a busted. I bloody he, he's, he's more knackered than Shevchenko was me, but but what Shev, whatever you thought about Shevchenko, his body language was always positive. He was always bloody trying, and he was one it's of the unluckiest players. He was trying. His, his knees were a few few beats yes, behind. Exactly. Now listen, yeah. what which, which made me laugh when I read this week that they you know one of the uh, things that went round Twitter was oh Costa's had a uh, past a Chelsea medical. And I thought, well, that's that's fairly similar to being, you know, carried into a field hospital and triaged as being basically <laughs> alive before you're sent back to the behind the lines to be sorted out. You know, who, who utterly the, meaningless. Sorry, who is the doctor in The Simpsons? You know, the doctor, <laughs> Dr. Nick. I think he must be our medic. Hi, everybody. <laughs> yeah, something Ronaldo, Nick, Nick. That's a very valid point. Now, what if I, I would if do... I can just uh, grab my, my uh, <laughs> phone in a, in a David Coleman-esque way for a second. Um, I think we're safe with David Coleman. Utree is, is, is nowhere near him. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but um, breaking news, um, Fernando Torres to, um, to Vitesse Arnhem, I think, is where we're going. Oh, excellent. <laughs> that, that, that will do. That will do. Um, now, what we should do, there's, there's a couple more bits to cover, and we, we're slightly overrunning um, because the, the listener likes an hour, and we've, we've frankly given him more than that. Albeit that you know it's been a fairly momentous week, um, what I would do is I would uh, we will have a link on the site tomorrow. But uh, um, Clayton covers this very well in an article he wrote recently for the Chelsea Fancast. We're, we're happy to plug the other podcast on here; not a problem at all. Oh no, no, it's, it's, it's um, you know different flavours, isn't it? And it's called um, it's called Wasted Youth, and he, he covers the subject about youth players and why they're not getting a chance at Chelsea very, very eloquently. So the link will go up on the site tomorrow. Do give it a read. Um, there's a couple of other other points to cover. Um, the Safe Standing Survey, which we talked about a, f- well, a couple of months back, um, over nearly 4,500 Chelsea fans took part, and um, 96% of them were in favour of implementing some, sort, some form of safe standing at Stamford Bridge. Now, I could simplify the, the findings and bombard you with figures, but the best thing to do is to go to www.chelseafcblog.com and take a look at the, the breakdown of, of the study and the, the survey that was carried out. It's a very worthwhile exercise and one that I, I hope gets attention from the club and the other clubs that, were, that took part in it as well. Um, we obviously have... Um, um, Glastonbury Festival for football fans, the World Cup, um, oh. coming up on Thursday. Um, we have 18 players in Brazil, including Loneys, making us the most represented club side in world football in Brazil, um, ahead of Manchester United and Bayern Munich, who I think both have 16 each, and then some other clubs that you know have fewer. Um, the opening game um, is Brazil against Croatia in Sao Paulo on Thursday, where we will see Ramirez, William, Oscar, and David Lewis, who is still a Chelsea player, um, in action. And gents, the World Cup. We're happy, aren't we? You know, this is a month of football. You oh, can't, I love it. You can't complain about that, can you? No, I love it. I, I can. Love I it. can no. complain. <laughs> I'm not going to allow you to complain for too long, though. <laughs> I, I put five pounds into the uh, draw, and, and I'll name. I oh, know I can't name the site. I work. I spend part of my week at a uh, 
at a prestigious London construction project. And uh, amongst the uh, subcontractors, it was a fiver into the draw. I got Belgium. <laughs> I went home a happy man. I came back in the next morning to be told by the uh, big, because I'm what they call one of the minor trades, one of the big trades, the metal bashers who put up all the ducts, that there'd been some problem with the way it had been done and they were doing it again. I got Bosnia. <laughs> <laughs> From Belgium to Bosnia, my life. The story. In an evening. The story of That's my, my memoir. But yes, sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted. Yes, I, of course, no, no. I'm happy. The World Cup. It's, it's good. Um, yes. Dan, are you, um, are you covering any of the proceedings in, in a professional capacity in any way, or are you just enjoying? I'm covering them from my, my uh, settee in my front room with a beer on the table. Um, I might, I might uh, have the, the, um, the decency to put on more than my underpants when I watch it. But, Excellent. Um, but that's about it. Um, really looking forward to it. It'd be great to have a proper World Cup. Because the next two won't be. Oh, yes. A very, very, <laughs> very good point. pertinent yeah. point. Um, Clayton, you're looking forward to it? Yeah, very much. Um, I've had that um, awkward sort of conversation about we can't go out with such and such because it's, you know, Angola versus <laughs> Thailand and it's very important that I see it. No, I am looking forward to it. I think it's astonishing. You mentioned about how many players we've got there. Um, I don't know if you saw uh, yesterday that the BBC were running the 1970 official World Cup film um, mm. and that horrible Peter Bonetti display, oh, um, yes. which broke my heart. And, mine. and in those days, you know, in in those days, you, you we had Peter Bonetti and I think Peter Osgood were the two English squad players and those were our guys at the World Cup. And if it wouldn't have been for food poisoning, you wouldn't have seen them. Um, mm. So, you know... <laughs> I know we blow our own trumpet, but I mean, to have that many players, uh, fantastic. That's it's quite good. something, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, and, it's... and the fact that football's on three times a day <laughs> for two weeks is, uh, is very nice. What more could you want? Um, in which case, I think what we will do is round it up there. Um, can, can I will. I just, just, I, just, I just wanted to say something just, about that. Tone, just bear with us a sec. I've yep. just got because otherwise I'll forget and Nick will, Nick will be upset. I've just got to get the public service bit in. Now, if you like what you've heard this evening, then do please visit the www.chelseafcblog.com or the newly refurbished poddingshed.com where you can fill your boots in a digital sense with the other 50 episodes of our back catalogue. And you can also subscribe to this via iTunes or an RSS reader, whatever that may be. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, we're going to observe Chelsea related goings on in Brazil and wade through the endless reams of nonsense about the transfer market and we'll come back in three or four weeks and, and do all this again and the premiership fixtures will be out by then as well so we can get excited about that. Um, if there's anything you'd like to hear us talk about then please let us know. The two aforementioned websites chelseafcblog.com and poddingshed.com or get in touch via Twitter at, at chelseablog or at the poddingshed. Tone, go. It was literally just to say that Peter Bonetti's display broke my heart because he was my hero Okay, and I wasn't allowed to watch that game. I was in the Riverside Caravan Centre in Bognor. The TV was in a bar where only adults were allowed and children weren't. And my dad came back out and I was like, you know, I was 10, 9 years old, absolutely Chelsea mad. And I said, Dad, 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 did we win? And he said, no, we were 2-0 up and we lost. And it was all Peter bloody Bonetti's fault. 
And oh. from that point onwards, I don't think I ever spoke to him again. No, I did, but you know, it was, <laughs> it's very sky, And I think it? the other thing I want to say is why I think this will be a very, very good World Cup. Um, I'm quite positive about England, despite all the naysayers. I think actually what Hodgson has done has been quite brave. Youngsters, they're fearless. Um, they're not going in there with any expectations, and I think they've played pretty well up to now, and they've looked looked pretty good. One of the m- more enjoyable England squads that I've seen, but also because they won't be playing it with that bloody pathetic FIFA beach ball that they decided to bring <laughs> out for the last World Cup, where nobody could hit anything from about 20 yards out because it would fly into Rose Z, except for the one country that had used it all season, Germany. <laughs> so there you go. That's my point. It'll be great. Duly noted. If anyone else has anything to add, please speak now. Can I just say that, um, talk about the World Cup and also been talking about Munich tonight. Obviously, all you can ever think about when you think about the World Cup and Munich is penalties. And I thought that um, Munich, no other penalty shootout could ever bring me to that level of emotion. Um, And yet... Down by the A12 yesterday at the uh, Harold Hill Youth Football Club under 10 playoff final, the young Bayou playing both in goal and out. They they were playing the Romford Flyers and it was nil-nil and it was a penalty shootout. Uh, He saved a couple. Um, So did the other goalie. It was going to go into um, sudden death but the two goalies had to take a penalty. In step the other goalie to take his penalty. The boy saved it. I was faced with the moment where my flesh and blood, the fruit of my loins, <laughs> was stepping up. Because this team has only been together this year and they, this was like their first chance to win a trophy. And he put it in the onion bag in the hey, corner. There you Good go. Good lad. Good he's lad. only got really thin legs, and I was telling all the other dads, he hasn't got a shot on him. He's, he's <laughs> not going to be good. Bang, in it went. And, Lovely. Uh, Didier Drogba. I now see that it was nothing that you did that night. My boy can do it <laughs> on a sunny day in front of a big, big crowd in Harold Hill. I can now see that it's anyone can do it. Anyone. Superb. Now, we have rambled on for a little longer than we normally do. Yes. But it's, it's, it was a bit of a special occasion, so I, I hope yes. folk will forgive us. Um, it remains to me to thank um, our regulars, Donal and Tony. Thanks ever so much, as always. Dan, delighted to have you back, and we hope we'll have you back again at some a, point a over pleasure. the next season or so. Lovely to be here. Clayton. Congratulations on your debut at your first cap. You will have many more in the future, I don't doubt. Very kind, enjoyed it, thank you. And yes, very good. By way of seamless link, do we have some music to play us out? We have um, My World is Empty Without You by the Heptones. <laughs> we don't need No you we don't need to say any more than that, do we really? <laughs> good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Dead air is never good air. <laughs> Something has gone radically. Here we go.